Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of America's Conservative Podcast. I am your host, Ed Denzel, and it was a beautiful weekend here in Deer Beach, Florida. I just got to tell you, in the 70s, I went out through uh, the discs, played a little disc golf. I wouldn't necessarily say I played. I just went out in the field and needed to work on my form some. Had a really good practice day on Saturday. Yesterday, not as great. Eh, those things happen. But it felt good to get out, had some time, and uh, like I said, it was beautiful. I actually got some sun, which was fun, here in February, <laughs> February uh, 11th and 12th. And speaking of which, uh, tomorrow's Valentine's Day. Uh, yeah, you guys, you might want to get right on that right about now. Especially if you're listening to this on Red State Talk Radio at 9 p.m. tonight. Uh, yeah, tomorrow's Valentine's Day. You better do something. It's like, what is it? Is it DEFCON 1 or DEFCON 5? I can never keep track of that. Which one is the worst? Whichever the one of those is the worst, that's where you are right now. I hope you have a plan if you haven't handled it yet. Me, I don't have to worry about it. Me, I'm going to be fine. I don't have to buy any. This will be, I think, the last time I ever... Oh, it's been it's been years and years and years. I'm saying it's been 13 years, four, but I bet it's been even longer than that, really. So I don't know. February is just not a relationship month for me. I I don't know. The reason I have problems figuring that out is because uh, I broke up with a woman in February of a certain year. Don't want to say what year it is. Let's give it who what. If, uh, which should happen to get back to this woman. But I can't remember if it was before Valentine's Day or after Valentine's Day. I definitely know it was in February. I just can't remember. So um, there's that. So I don't have to spend any money tomorrow, which is good because I'm not a rich guy anyway. So Valentine's Day. Uh, let's move kind of a little, little bit into the show. Did you see what's going on in Or? I guess it's Or. Do they say Oroville or Orville, California? I'm going to say Oroville because I'm a hick and I don't know and I've never been there. So, Oroville, California, see this dam that's breaking? This should not happen in the United States. I, I hear about dams breaking and I think China. I think India. I think. Sri Lanka or something like that where something breaks and the government doesn't let anybody know downstream and suddenly this wall of water comes washing through and it kills everybody and then everybody just goes on their business as if it never happened. You think I'm joking about that. You go do a search for dams breaking around the world and you're going to see many where thousands and thousands and thousands of people uh, got killed and, and knew it was going to happen, but uh, government did nothing, didn't let anybody know what was going to happen and just allowed these people to get killed. If this Oroville Dam break was somewhere else in the world, I'm sure it would have killed people by now. Now, I, I don't know exactly. It's hard for me to determine. You know, I haven't seen any pictures of... Houses floating away and cars floating away. It doesn't look like it's, you know, I start thinking about flooding and I I get visions in my mind of 
uh, Japan, like what happened with the flooding there from the earthquake, and then what happened, of course, in uh, Indonesia and in, in Th- Thailand. Uh, when that earthquake hit in the Indian Ocean so many years ago, I guess it was Christmas Day, 11 years ago, wherever it was. Um, and then the more recent one, the one that damaged that nuclear reactor that they're still having problems with. That's what I think of when I think of flooding. That's not happening here. But you just don't anticipate in the United States that a dam would get to the point where it would break, where it would let water through and it would erode away. Uh, there's a very famous case going back back to the – I forget even what year it was. But uh, you ever hear of Mulholland, that guy? Well, Mulholland Drive, and, and there's a movie too. He – that was a real person, Maholland. He was the guy who designed the water system that now provides L.A. with all of its, its water. And of course, if you've seen the movie Chinatown, you know that that movie is about water in L.A. Funny enough, most people don't even realize that. But it has to do with the water district and the piping of water from here and there. And there was a Mulholland divided these series of levees and dams and aqueducts and everything to get water down into the to L.A. And there was a dam that broke way back when he was still alive. And the, the truth is that he died in disgrace because that dam uh, was a disaster and killed people. Uh, but that's not going on here. Although I was watching some footage last night that people trying to get out of the area. I mean, the, the highways are completely Yuba City and some of the surrounding areas. It's all messed up. Just parking lot. And there's evacuation of about 200,000 people. So I don't know if anybody's going to get killed, but you do wonder how this can happen. Uh, especially since uh, we've been told by the environmentalists how it doesn't rain in California anymore. And it's global warming, it's climate change, and everybody's dying, and everything's parched and everything else. And then you have this reservoir that gets up to the top and then starts overflowing, and it roads away these, the, these spillways, and the water just starts going wherever it wants. Now, this would happen in California, uh, probably the state with the biggest issues right now. Maybe Illinois could be added into that, maybe a couple other states. But California, with all the craziness that's gone on there the last 25 years, it is, it's not funny. None, none of this is funny. But it is ironic that you'd have a dam collapse in a state that has had so many problems over the years, like California. Rolling brownouts and lack of water here and Farmers having to move and parched land and not being allowed to build any uh, electric plants because of environmentalists and what you have going on up in north, northern California with people just outright uh, disobeying the law and growing weed and everything else, which the only reason I even that comes to mind is because in my other show, Unfound, I'm going to be covering a case having to do with that disappearance regarding all that up in Humboldt County. But I'm not sure that this dam has – the dam technically hasn't collapsed. It's the spillway 
that's kind of fallen apart. The dam is still there, but they have these diverted areas that in case it does get too high, that they can push water. And I've been to the Hoover, Hoover Dam. The Hoover Dam has spillways too that are built into the rock face, these big tunnels, these uh, that, that can water can go around. Now with Lake Mead, it hasn't been a problem because Lake Mead's been doing nothing but going down. But there are spillways there. Well, these are these spillways, and uh, frankly, that just one of them has eroded away, and the water is out of control. So they say that eventually it's going to cost like, and you know this number is going to keep going up because that's just the way things are today. Uh, Two hundred million dollars to fix. It's a big deal. And this dam has been around for quite a while. It's the highest dam in the United States. But once again, it's not the dam that's the problem. It was the the spillway off to the side that was built and there was erosion. Maybe the erosion was caused by that area being so dry for so long. I don't know. I'm not a geologist. But uh, I, I just hope conservatives don't get too crazy on this and saying, well, this – they're, California, they're so busy about helping illegals that they can't even fix their infrastructure. And I'm not sure that's the case. If you hear that, uh, that sounds like clickbait to me. And that just sounds like somebody who is just pulling at straws and just wants to make fun of California just to make fun of California. I'm not sure that anybody could have uh, predicted this. Uh, this seems to me to be a situation where everybody was caught surprised by this. I don't believe that the people who run the dams and lakes and aqueducts and every want this stuff to happen. But I think this is just something that, uh, once again, within the rock, within the dirt, uh, something just it happens. It happens. And you also have to keep in mind how long that dam has been there. Things are going to change over time. So I hope nobody gets killed. Uh, but it does seem like there's going to be a lot of cleanup and it's going to be very expensive. I hope nobody's houses get damaged or anything like that. Uh, I'm guessing there's going to be at least a few uh, buildings that get taken out by this. Maybe a bridge here or there. I have no idea, but... I guess it could be a lot worse, and uh, we have to keep in mind, like I said, if this was in some other country, there probably would be several people dead already. But if you've watched any of the live videos, like streaming on YouTube or wherever else, uh, it's amazing. It, it's scary, but it's fascinating to watch. You can watch it and be fascinated as long as you know nobody's dying because of it. Uh, just the water just completely running out of control, and you can see where... A, you know, the, the part of this ground and everything has collapsed. Just, it's scary, the power. Scary, scary, scary. Now, the good news is that California has been getting a ton of rain. And they've been getting a ton of snow in California, northern Nevada. And that's what that state needs. That's what that, that those areas need. Um, but always, it's one of those things, always be careful what you ask for. You might just get it. So let's move on to something else. I just uh, we'll keep a tabs on that, and maybe I'll be talking about it tomorrow. More information tomorrow. I have a good question for you. I, I uh, 
is Rance Priebus, or however you say his name, Rance Priebus, is he in over his head? As chief of staff in the Trump administration, is he in over his head? Now, I will tell you that him being in Trump's administration uh, was a big surprise to me. I mean, you know, you go back to like this time last year. Not this time last year, the primary season was just starting. Uh, maybe Iowa had gone already in, in New Hampshire. Don't know the exact dates, but of course, at the time, the thinking was the you know the the establishment is going to fight against Donald Trump, and it did for a while. But what did I tell you all way back then? Eventually, uh, the tr- Donald Trump was the most establishment candidate of all of those people running. All of them. Because of his history, because of who he was. And because, really, because he wasn't a conservative. And all these people say he's going to kick all those people out. And new people are going to run the, the, the Republican National Committee. It's going to be great. And then, then eventually, he makes Rance Priebus his chief of staff. It's funny how people forget that so quickly. And it's funny how those Trump supporters that were saying that, they so quickly went from hating Priebus to loving him. This is why you can't take anything that those types of people say seriously. Whether they're on Red State Talk Radio, they're doing a podcast, or on their terrestrial radio, or wherever else. They're all full of it. It's funny how they're... Their, you know, who they like and who they dislike is directly related to how that person gets along with Donald Trump. It's really weird. But there he is. He's chief of staff. And he's there. And Trump has these other people. And now Christopher Ruddy goes on some show yesterday, one of the Sunday morning shows, political shows. And said that Chris, that uh, Priebus is in over his head. That's what he said. Now, the funny thing about all of this, it's really – this is see, as a guy who didn't vote for Donald Trump and was a never-Trump guy and is an objective guy, is, is always conservative first, not Republican or anything else first, but always conservative first, I can't tell you how much enjoyment I get out of this. I can't tell you. Granted, it's a little shade and fraud, which is means getting uh, enjoyment out of the misery of others. But, you know, these Trump cultists, they have to be in quite a quandary right now. Because they probably, you know, are looking maybe at the last few weeks and, hey, if... I know that they're going to love Priebus, but I think that they'll take Steve Bannon first, and those two guys allegedly don't get along. But on one hand, they're probably happy. They might be happy that somebody like is coming out and calling Priebus out and saying it was his problem, it was his fault that the immigration rollout and this executive order didn't go over the right way. It was all his fault. It wasn't Trump's fault. It wasn't Steve Bannon's fault. It was all Priebus's fault. But on the other hand, Christopher Ruddy... If you don't know, even though I know he started Newsmax and everything, he is a huge friend of the Clintons. Huge friend of the Clintons. 
In fact, I don't, you know, it's amazing to me that a place like Newsmax that is seen as a right wing website, that he has been able to get away with being as friendly with the Clintons as he has for a long time. This isn't new. This is probably going on 20 years. Probably. And has contributed to the Clinton Foundation and, and all of this. So this guy is now coming out and saying Priebus is over his head. I want to know something, all you Trump cultists. Are you going to get on board with that friend of Hillary and Bill's? I just want to know. How do you feel about that? <laughs> See, this is what happens when you owe allegiances to people instead of ideas. Allegiant, being allegiant and being... Um, Faithful to ideas will never get you in the problems that these people have put themselves into. These logic pretzels, well, I have to be faithful to this guy, person over here, but then I got to switch and be all right. And that you know, you're going back and forth and you, you look so weak in doing it. Mm, so that's Christopher Ruddy. He went out there and now I guess he's backtracking a little bit and who knows what's going on. And it's only three, what, three weeks? into Trump's presidency and you're reading already things about uh, uh, switch up of staff and there's Kellyanne Conway who I guess they did something on Saturday Night Live this weekend. I didn't watch it. Uh, making fun of her, her being some stalker, I guess. Was it a play on Fatal Attraction? And Donald Trump was it something like that? I just saw like a, a, a picture of it, just a, a screenshot of it. I was like, Man, that looks weird. But, you know, she is allegedly angling for chief of staff. And, you know, now Trump's friends, Christopher Ruddy and other people saying that Priebus is in over his head. Um, How would they know that? Because to my knowledge, uh, none of Trump's friends have a lot of experience in government either. Priebus surely has as much experience as any of them having headed up the Republican National Committee for a few years in a time where the Republicans were very successful <coughs> winning uh, many seats, a thousand seats, taking a thousand seats from Democrats at the state or the local state and federal level. So he kind of knows what he's doing. Got the right candidates in the right spots. Now, he was helped out by the fact that Barack Obama was a horrible president. But he does have a record of success. But now they're saying he's the one who's in over his head. Is it possible that they're the ones who are in over their head? Doesn't that seem more likely? I know what they're saying about this executive order, but... um. As I have here in my notes, they, they want to blame him for the immigration rollout. Isn't, didn't this go exactly the way they wanted? It d- didn't it? I mean, Trump and all his people, they got to roll out, to my knowledge. I mean, I know that they're after the fact there are people complaining about it. John Kelly, you know. <laughs> In Homeland Security and the Defense Department, a few others. But the Trump administration, I think, did exactly what it wanted to do. And now afterwards, I mean, 
did it, I, I know that uh, the Ninth Circuit Court judge and this panel of judges have, um, you know, kind of um, restricted it for now, and it's not technically law at this second. They've delayed it, and it's wor- still working its way through the courts. But it seemed to me that they got the executive order exactly what they wanted. They put it into action, and Trump really did seem pretty happy with himself. So why now are they complaining about the rollout of it? Well, as I think, I think I know what's going on here, and it's something that all of you who were Trump supporters refused to see, is that this guy, Donald Trump, is as reliant on public approval and approval ratings as any president who has ever been in the White House, probably even more than Bill Clinton. It's something that I don't think that all these people who bragged about Donald Trump and how brash he was and everything, you never truly appreciated that. That this guy is very sensitive as to how people perceive him. Even though, once again, he may make fun of other people and everything else, he'll only do that if, it, if he looks at his approval ratings and everybody's loving him. That, I don't know if that's necessarily something he's going to default to all the time. So what is happening now is that there was a lot of negative pushback about this immigration. Even though they rolled it out and a lot of his people loved it, and he may talk all he wants about how the media is fake news and everything else. In the end, I think that stuff matters to him greatly. He may be in the public saying how fake it is that they're saying that this and fake and these polls are lying and everything else. But underneath, he's wishing that they, these people all loved him. That's the, only, that's the only thing that makes sense regarding all of this. They have to find a scapegoat now that Donald Trump is looking like a buffoon. And Donald Trump does not look like a buffoon. Do, I, I want you to know something. I'm not sure that he looks like a buffoon. I've told you from the beginning, I think that this, is a, this executive order is constitutional. I disagree with the rollout of it. I disagree that it's actually going to do anything. But I think it's well within his constitutional rights to do it. And if people don't like it, obviously there are things working their way through the courts. And somehow it will get figured out eventually. But I want to say for the record, I believe he had the ability to do this. uh, Because if he views it as a threat to the United States, these people coming in from other countries. Once again, I don't know how much of an effect it's going to have. And I'm only usually for effect for stuff that's going to be effective. But constitutionally, you know what? You can't do a bunch of constitutional stuff that's ineffective. And I'm not sure that's something that conservatives appreciate enough. But I, I've told you, Donald Trump is a guy with very thin skin. He's a bully. This is how bullies act. They make fun of others, and when people make fun of them, they whine. 
They whine. And they displace it, and it's somebody else's fault. There's a great article at uh, redstate.com about this entire thing, how Donald Trump is not a very good leader. He, I know this is – see, this is something that I could never understand going back in all of the discussions that were had outside of the fact that people said they are going to vote for Trump just because – the other choice was Hillary. But within the, within the group of people who argued back and forth about whether Donald Trump is a great leader or anything else, the people who supported him and thought he was a great leader, they never understood that it was obvious to me how much he needed people's approval. How much he needed the slap on the back. How much he needed to be told he's the smartest guy in the room. This, But for me, this is the exact reason he desires to tear everybody else down. Because he has an inferiority complex. He didn't go after Ted Cruz because he thinks Ted Cruz is wrong, necessarily. He went after Ted Cruz because in Donald Trump's probably heart of hearts... He thinks that Donald, that Ted Cruz makes him look stupid. And guess what? He was right. He's not the confident man that he has made himself out to be. And there are more enough words and actions to show that. So all of this, uh, Christopher Ruddy getting out there, whether Priebus is on the way out, and... I still go back to look at the people that Donald Trump had around him before he actually got the nomination. Katrina Pearson, Lewandowski, these, all these people, lackeys, complete lackey, know-nothing people. Because he can't stand having anybody who knows stuff around him. This is exactly why with these cabinet people, they're never going to be allowed to do anything because he'll be afraid they make, they're going to make him look stupid. And so getting back to is Priebus over his head, could it be that Trump and his people are over their head? Could it be? You have to – you know, my opinion about – people is that dumb people are surely threatened by smart people more than smart people are threatened by dumb people. Mm. And insecure people are surely threatened by secure people that then secure people are threatened by insecure people. And so when I see all these people suddenly coming out coming out after Priebus, could it be they don't like him because they make he makes them look stupid? Could it be? Now, once again, I think that Priebus is a is an easy target because of everything that happened before in the nomination process that the process that these Trump people they want to dislike him but then Trump brought him in so now they do like him and think he's the greatest guy in the world but it wouldn't take much for them to go I suppose back the other way probably a lot easier to go back the other way than it would have been maybe they would be with Steve Bannon for example 
or Kelly Conway, somebody like that. But Priebus, well, he's the former RNC chair. Of course we're going to hate. Oh, well, now that we've found out his real colors, we know he really is. Yes, he needs to get out of there. It's all very, you know, confusing stuff. But I could have sworn that that executive order rollout went exactly how they wanted. You know, they didn't start caring about, if they cared about John Kelly and the rest of these people that should have been involved, then they should have included him in the process, but they didn't. Why didn't they? Probably because Donald Trump, once again, doesn't want any knowledgeable people involved in the process. He wants to be seen as Mr. Smart Guy. But now that it has happened, in all of this blowback from some conservatives, a lot of uh, people in Congress and elsewhere, and it's maybe making Donald Trump look bad. You know, he, it's, it's the problem with Donald Trump now is he can't ease as easily get away with blaming Congress and ma- making fun of Paul Ryan and all of these people now. Because he, you know, the, the problem is, and this is once again something that I predicted that all you Trump cultists ignored, he needs Congress. He, you thought he was going to go in the executive branch and just uh, roll these people. He needs them. They need him too. The problem is they were more than willing to accept that and admit it. He wasn't. Remember, all about Donald Trump, call, you know, call of personality, force of personality. My popularity will force this all through. You know who that sounds like? That sounds like Barack Obama. who also is a very insecure guy, who really wasn't that knowledgeable. In fact, he probably has less knowledge than Donald Trump does. And we know how that presidency went. But I got to go to the break. You've been listening to America's Conservative Podcast. The voice of American conservatism. WRS Digital. Red State Talk Radio. And we are back at America's Conservative Podcast. I want to continue to talk about uh, – actually, I want to go right to this article – uh, about Donald Trump, red state talk, redstate.com that I had mentioned before the break, that what it says is that, you know, during the campaign, back to the nomination process, Donald Trump could always play one person off against another and then came in to make nice and make it look like he's the smartest guy in the room. Can't do that now. Uh, in, in using, you know, if there is a Priebus wing of the White House and the, the Bannon wing and these two guys don't get along, you can't do – you know how much time can be wasted doing all of that? But I think this is what Trump likes because once again, then he can be seen as the deal maker, as the guy that comes in and smooths everything over. Well, the only problem is is that – the world continues – the earth continues to rotate, and other countries continue to do things and terrorists and the economy and everything else. And here he wants to be seen as the good guy between the people who work for him. And as stated in the article, this is the reason that usually the, the way presidencies break down is it's Mr. Good Guy President – the chief of staff, who is the main, you know, uh, can I use this word, slave driver, 
And then the vice president is always off going to a funeral somewhere. But that's not what's been going on so far in this administration. The problem is, is that the chief of staff, Priebus, may be a perfectly fine hard ass. The problem is, is that there is this other group in the White House, the Bannon group, those Trump cultists, who have a different agenda. And Trump wants to woo those people too. You know why? Because they kiss his butt. This is see, this is this is a problem that goes back to uh um the campaign when it came to the alt right and these white nationalist groups. Not Trump never once said one bad word about them. You know, it's his defenders will say, What do you want him to do? He can't help people. You know, like, and he's not a racist. He's not anti-Jewish and everything. He can't help it that these people. And I said, you know, the reason he does, I said this, and you can go back and check it. I don't know what episode it was. It was probably more than one. I said, you know why he doesn't do it? Because he likes getting attention from them. That doesn't mean he agrees with them, but he loves being wooed by them. He loves the attention. This is the exact reason of what's going on in the White House. He can't kick out people and be tough with people because they think he's a god, and so he loves them. He loves them because they love him. This is why that word like comes up so much in in the talk that Donald Trump does. Well, I, I really like him. I really like him. He's a very good person. He, I really like her. She's a, you know why she you know it's it's a way to try to. Um, disarm people, and it works until things start going wrong, until the people who like you are actually hurting you. But your ego can't take it. Your ego wants to keep these people because you want your butt kissed. And if I had to guess, the reason the reason that Priebus might be on his way out is because he's not a butt kisser, at least less of a butt kisser than the rest of these people, than, the rest, than Christopher Ruddy is, than Steve Bannon is, than Kelly and Conway is, and whoever else. It's not that he's in over his head. It's that they're in over their head kissing the butt of the president. That's my suspicion. But you're not going to hear that on Fox News because when it comes down to it, they're going to side with Donald Trump every time. And they're going to side with Steve Bannon every time. They're not going to side with Priebus because he might be on his way out and God forbid they should want to be friendly with somebody who won't be in the administration anymore. So uh, it's, a, it's, it's a sign of weak leadership. And I, you know, and I, I stand here and I tell you, I'm not the greatest leader, and I don't mind telling you all of this. I, I've told you uh, – maybe I've, I know this has been brought up before. I'm a horrible manager, manager of people, uh, and really because – not because I want my butt kissed. I do not need my butt kissed in my life at all. My problem is, is that probably I'm too much of the op- opposite. I'm too aloof. I just expect people to be adults and go do their thing. You're an adult. You have a mind. Go use it. You know what your job is supposed to be. Just go do it. Figure it out. And I think the reason I manage people that way is because that's the way I like to be managed. You you know what your job title is, Ed. Here are the tools. Go do it. Just figure it out. 
And I'm good in those situations. I, what I learn as an adult is most people aren't. Most, a lot of people do like to be told, here's what you have to do. You have to do this, and because they're afraid of making mistakes and everything, and I hate doing that. I hate having to, to uh, go step by step by step with people because then I start – I don't respect them. I'll just be honest. You know. So, but other people, they like managing people that way because it makes them feel important. Good, look, look, I have all these people around me and then I get to tell them what to do and they come and ask me questions and I get to feel so important and everything. I'm the opposite of that. Totally the opposite. But I, I see, so knowing that I'm not the greatest leader, I notice lack of leadership qualities in other people fairly quickly as well. And Donald Trump is one of them, although I would say, once again, that he is a horrible leader uh, in a different way than I'm a horrible leader. I hate having to manage people's personalities and all that. That's just too much work for me. You give me a bunch of ideas on a, on a hundred different she- sheets of paper, love it. Love combining them and trying to figure out new theories and new ways and everything. You give me a hundred people and I'll just be good. Oh my God, what am I going to do? So I see that. And the, all of you didn't see that in Donald Trump. Uh, you should ask yourself why that's, why that is. Why that is. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know all of you. But I think this article at redstate.com gets it right. He wants to be seen as the nice guy, as the savior. And he, need, he wants to be seen as the boss, really, really, really the boss, instead of the chief of staff doing that. But let's move on to something else. Um, you know, <laughs> this is... This is funny. Uh, of course, Betsy DeVos has been approved as, as uh, Secretary of Education. And you see a lot of um, – and I've even experienced it firsthand. That's all I really want to say about teachers who are not happy about this, mainly because she has no education experience. And I've already read enough articles and I listened to, I think, a, a podcast at ricochet.com last week. Is You know, it's funny that all these teachers who say that she shouldn't be Secretary of Education because she has no experience, that didn't seem to bother them when Barack Obama became president and he had no experience. That was seen as a positive. Now, being that we have Betsy DeVos as Secretary of Education, her lack of Actual classroom experience is seen as a negative. It's hard to understand. It's hard to make sense of all of this. And I don't want to get too caught up in this because, as you know, uh, qualified people and good presidents, good secretaries of education or whatever else can come through from all walks of life. Sometimes you really don't know. And that's why going back to electing Barack Obama, you know, people are so caught up in his lack of experience. That's not as big a deal to me as just knowing that he's liberal. I don't care what experience you have. He's a liberal. That should disqualify him no matter how many years he's been in the Senate 
or doing whatever else. So experience is not that big of a deal to me. Also, it's kind of nice sometimes to bring in somebody from another sector of an economy, another sector of business to look at something because you get fresh eyes on it. I mean, you look at corporations in the United States, uh, they'll bring in people from outside companies all the time, CEOs, uh, COOs, whoever else, uh, just to switch things up, get a little bit different perspective instead of hiring within, although a company, a lot of companies do that as well. Sometimes you need fresh eyes on things. Now, I guess what teachers are saying, many teachers are saying regarding the hiring of Betsy DeVos, well, she doesn't know what it's like to be in a classroom. And she, well, maybe that's good. Because I know that if we did get somebody who had had a lot of public education experience, let's just say, and worked himself or herself up from teacher's assistant to teacher to vice principal to principal to assistant superintendent to superintendent and you know to a board of education in a, in a state and then became eligible for secretary of education. Here's what I know. There wouldn't be any new ideas coming out of that person. May know have every know every single thing there is to know about education in the United States, but not one single new idea, and let alone switching up public education. That's never going to happen. That would not happen with a person like this. And once you start thinking about that, that's the reason these people start talking about experience because they can't say that they just want the status quo. Now, the. the I have to tell you, they must be so tortured. They must be so tortured because I know some teachers. And I want to say on the record, I like these people. I like them. And, and I think I've told you, my brother's uh, wife um, was an assistant uh, principal for many, many years. Worked in public – was a teacher and then got that position and – I know I saw her while she was still in, involved uh, running into students, and students liked her, respected her, and I know all of that. I just want you to know that I like these people, but I think they're wrong. They're wrong. I talked about it last week. They tend to take education very personally. I, they take education in the United States way more personally than I take writing or podcasting, or missing persons cases, or anything like that. Which, once again, has always been strange to me. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, I know enough about these people, and once again, for the record, I like them. I like talking to them, I get along with them, and everything else. But I know they are not happy with the jobs that they do. And I've heard them complain about all sorts of facets. Once again, that have nothing technically to do with politics. All right? The problem is that it seems to me they don't want any change. 
They just want more of this. If it has to be a difference between somebody who's been gone through the public education system for 20 years or somebody coming in from the outside to take a look at it, they'll take the person who's been involved in public education for 20 years. Well, that's what we've been doing for years and years and years. And it seems to me teachers are getting more frustrated year after year after year. But they don't want to change. You know, I, you know, I know teachers have a lot of complaints about testing, about how they are mandated to teach these things and how they're not qualified to do so, and those are all valid arguments. How do you think all of that stuff happens? <coughs> Here's what I think I know. They wouldn't have to do that if there was more choice in education in the United States. Now, I know they don't look at it that way because they see choice as a threat to their jobs. That's what I think. They see that if uh, more private schools, vouchers, uh, the rest of it, they see that as a threat, and they think that they're overworked and underpaid as it is, which may or not be the case. But once again, if that is the case, and you know, you've had all of these different secretaries of education. For all these years, I'm, I'm sure they didn't like George W. How many secretaries of education did he have? I don't even know. I couldn't even tell you who that person was. Now, I'm sure they didn't like those years. Well, you know what? It doesn't sound to me like their jobs got any better during the Barack Obama years. With all the talk about education during their years, but they just want to continue, I guess, on that path, which is hard for me to, to understand. This is uh, when I think of this topic, I think about liberal women who don't believe in guns and you know and the, the question always is, why are so many women women's liberals when it's obvious that most rapes and murders of women happen in the blue counties of the United States? But still, liberal women, I guess a lot of them don't want to own guns. And those are the areas that they want to live, and they keep voting Democrat. I mean, at some point, could it be, and, and we as conservatives try to talk to these people and these women keep, keep making those decisions, could it be that the reason they keep doing that is just because they're just a bunch of liberal hacks? This is a, something I came up with at least a couple years ago. That at some point, when you can present all these facts to women about how dangerous the Democrat Party is to women... Most crimes are committed by Democrats. The most dangerous areas of the United States are where Democrats live, most rapes, most murders, everything else, and women keep voting Democrat. At some point, you just have to figure, you know what, the reason they do it, there's just a bunch of Democrat hacks. That's the kind of thing I think about when it comes to education. They, um, you know, it's obvious that private schools in the United States are better. Private universities are better than public universities. Right? We have all of these horror stories that come out of public schools with shootings and bullying and everything else. We know that American education has uh, diminished compared to education uh, of, of children in other States or in other countries, 
on and on and on. And still, these people do not want any. They, the only change that they want is in a more socialized direction. Could it be they're just a bunch of liberal hacks? <laughs> and I know I preface this all by saying that I get along with these people. But I do know that it is possible sometimes to be too close to a topic that you can't see it anymore. Possibly. Mm. So, uh, this is something that they're... Uh, even, you know, the, the fear is this. The real fear is this. Even if... if the, you have to remember something. The goal of education in the United States is to get children and young adults to think better. Not necessarily to stuff their minds full of particular ideas, but teaching them how to be critical, critical thinking, reading different things and trying to figure out what makes the most sense. Not being fed information, not being indoctrinated. The problem is that indoctrination is sure a heck of a lot easier to do than teaching people to be critical thinkers. And it's especially tough if you have a public education system that wants to teach kids particular facts about whatever. And as somebody, as as that article that was written last week, this all comes back to, I think, what was was the Federalist, where that woman who wrote that article says – the reason that they put up so much of a fight against Betsy DeVos is not because of her lack of experience. It's because they know if liberals lose education, then they lose everything. And as I've, I, and as I've said for a long time, if you can crack open the monopoly to this public education in the United States, you can completely put liberalism on the run in this country. And at its core, I think that's what these people know. They know it. I think they have a particular political point of view, and it's not about Betsy DeVos's experience. What they don't like is that she is a believer that parents should have more school choice. And the truth of it is that education in, in this country should be more like Walmart versus Kmart versus Target versus whatever, whoever else, or McDonald's versus Burger King versus Carl's Jr. versus In-N-Out, that's the way it should be. And parents get to decide. You can go online, you can talk to other people, and they can figure out where is the best place for their child to go given their child's experience, their talents, their skills, their education level, level, their ability to learn, on and on and on. Public education system is comparable to the VA. And we know what has gone on in the VA. The difference is that the education system isn't killing anybody. Not necessarily. But if the public education system was a hospital in the United States, it would have killed several kids by now. Once again, I know that these I know these people are good husbands, good mothers, good wives, 
they take part in their community and everything else. But just because of that, you cannot excuse them when they get caught up in their own interests in their work. Teachers can be just as biased about wanting stuff as anybody in any other profession in the United States and not being able to see the forest for the trees. The difference is that these people are getting paid by force. Your tax dollars go directly to their paychecks. Whereas most of these other people who can't see the forest for the trees, they're they're working in private industry and they actually have to – they're not getting paid by force. They're getting paid by choice, by people choosing to go to that business. That's different. So – I know it's tough. Hey, and I, and I have a, a, a father that's been in public education. I just think a couple weeks ago, I told you, this is one of those topics that my dad and I have to avoid. Because every time he hears that I'm going to be talking about teachers or he hears this show, he said, you really got to go easy on teachers because of this, because of that reason. Hey, every other employee in every other type of business in, in, in the world gets blamed if things aren't right. Why should teachers get to avoid that? Why? I, I know that, you know, it's, 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 you know, I have to tell you, it's hard for me to understand. Uh, it, it's everybody complains about child left behind and common core. And, and it sounds to me like a lot of teachers hate it. But then they want just somebody who's kind of the same person to be in there. Um, I don't know. And as I said a couple years ago, with all that went down, went down in New Jersey and Wisconsin, is that when the unions and when teachers went and you know went in there and protested and everything, they ceased to become teachers. They just became regular government employees. I think that's also the reason the teachers don't get as much compassion as they used to. But I got to go. You can email me, edwarddensel.reagan.com. Find my website, edwarddensel.com. Follow me on Twitter, USA Podcast. Find the show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern on the Prime Channel, redstatetalkradio.com. Check out my other show, Unfound Missing Persons Podcast. Find it on Podomatic and iTunes. Could really go for some nice reviews of the show on iTunes, by the way. You can follow that on Twitter, Unfound Podcast. Uh, I think that's about all I have for the show. You've been listening to America's Conservative Podcast.